dark armies then will come when the sum is 41. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the So I've Been Told podcast. My name is Adam Kramer and this is my podcast. Now, despite what you might think based on that intro, my guest is not a member of Sum 41. But, hey, if you're listening, Derek Wibley or any of the other members of Sum 41, and you want to come on the pod, I would love to have you. So this is your invite. Anyway, the guest on this episode is my good buddy Tyler Troutman of Condition Oakland and a bunch of other really cool projects that you're going to hear about in the conversation that we had. Uh, But before you hear that conversation, you're going to hear Pellet Veins by his band Condition Oakland. Enjoy. did this once and it I have no idea what happened to that recording um, oh you never found no I never I never found it from that night but it's like uh-huh. I don't know sometimes it's easier to like I don't know it's like sometimes when there's a whole bunch of people in the room sometimes it, like parts of that worked really well and then other parts it was just like real chaotic so whatever <laughs> <laughs> 
you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, tell me about how you first, like, got into punk rock and, you know, kind of underground culture. Okay. Um, so, hmm. I'd say the catalyst was, like, if we're going right back to, like, the Bear Roots beginning. Yeah. I'd say the catalyst was definitely that I found my mom's skateboard. And um, I wanted to ride skateboards. So from watching skate videos and stuff, you know, you're just kind of at, at that time of like the late 90s, early 2000s, like the whole, that whole thing was just, you know, punk rock bands and then like underground hip hop. And I just really yeah. gravitated towards um, like the punk rock side of that. Yeah, did your mom skate back in the day? Um, like, I mean, like, she sidewalk surfed, you know? Like, yeah. she had, like, a red skateboard, and, um, she did that, but, like, she wasn't, like, grinding or, like, like, <laughs> old or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Word. Uh, you know, how did you get into playing music? I know... You know, I know because I've known you for a long time, like a little bit of the story. But for anybody who doesn't know, um, you know, what were you know? How did you get into playing, and what were some of your first experiences performing? Um, I mean, I guess I just wanted to play guitar, so um, I went to K S with my mom again, and we went and got a guitar, and they asked, um you know, like, what band are you into? And I said, Blink-182 and Green Day. And so I got um, a Stratocaster with just the bridge pickup in it, like Tom DeLonge's. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I just started playing, and then, like, you know, you, you meet, like, other punker kids, and, you know, I met, like how I met you, like, being friends with, like, Katie and stuff. And then, um... As far as playing goes, my first show, I, my first first show, I was a freestyle rapper, but, like, <laughs> my first, like, rock and roll show was, um, I played in a cover band in an arcade. Nice. Well, so. That, the, the rap thing, that was, that was K-Ill, correct? Yeah, <laughs> that was K-Ill. Um, who, did, where, and you said that was, you told me before, that was in Treverton, right? Yeah, that was in Trevorton. Who was with the stand? With the stand-in? Yeah, the stand-in played. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. That's... Who else? Who else was on that? I want to say the band's name was a Midnight Renewal, but I could be wrong. Okay, it's that sounds familiar. Yeah, there's like a bunch of stuff from like that era, like before I really started like getting involved in the local scene that I'd love to like. I don't know. I want like to get some, like get some of those CDs and like, I don't know. I would be stoked if like somebody, dude. If, if do you have do you have like the PHK CD? I don't know if it worked honestly, but I yeah. I think I do. Because I would love to have some it, of that stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, somebody. I don't know because it would be up to like you know people like us to archive it on youtube and stuff but yeah. like i mean i listen to my cd so like <laughs> i didn't get to 
and I didn't have a computer at that time, so like I didn't rip any of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just listened to it. Yeah. Until it fell apart. Yeah. I mean, I you know I could probably you know I, I maybe I could like hit up uh, you know Sean or whatever because I think I'm Facebook friends with him, but like I haven't like seen or talked to him in years, so it'd be like real random to be like, yo, can I can you can you like send me those PHK MP3s? You know what? I was thinking about asking Tony Reed if he had any of the I Dare You stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because like it. that was recorded so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So and you said you, you you uh like your first show playing guitar. What band was that? Like oh that you said it was a cover band, but did that have a name? Oh, like what? No, I played bass. The first band I played guitar was already gone. Though. Okay. Uh, what covers did you play? The what? What covers did you play at that show? Oh, it was like... You did a Goldfinger cover. I remember that. They covered... MXPX's version of Summer of 69. And then, like, Radio Rock covers. <laughs> it was super... It was super awkward. Yeah. I mean, it probably wasn't awkward for them because... Those, those guys were into that kind of stuff and that, but, you know, like, just coming from punk rock. Yeah. Like, Drop D wasn't my friend yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was there something in between that and you starting Already Gone? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Like, nothing serious that I remember. Yeah. So tell me, kind of give me the background, tell me the story of Already Gone. Um, so Already Gone, the first incarnation of it was, the drummer was Michael Monty and my friend Mark Contition, and I started it, and then Mark moved, and I think that's when he joined the Army or the Marines, or like he went to some kind of military school. Yeah. And uh, I I could be wrong on that. I'm not 100% sure. I know he eventually joined the Marines. Okay. But then um, Chris Leitzel and I um, already gone, like, there was, like, a little lapse in it. And then Chris Leitzel and I joined his band, um, Joyful Rage, and then he, then that kind of fell apart, and then he played bass and already gone, and... The guy who filled in on drums for us for Joyful Rage ended up Bobby Marhon ended up being the drummer, and that was already gone. Then. Yeah, you you guys and that. Oh god, it's a little bit of people that like know about. It. I think that's that's like the core of already gone, and then like you know that second wave with Danny. Yeah, now you guys had you guys recorded with that double A, right? Mm-hmm. Was that the only release you guys did, the, the Something Has to Go Wrong EP? That was, like, the only studio release. There's, okay. like, some whole recording stuff we did, and then there's a very weird live CD that we did with Danny. Okay. Nice. You guys were a band for quite a while, and that was, that was your first time kind of traveling and playing, right? Yeah, like... Um, not till, like, the second wave, we got into, like, traveling and, and, like, doing, like, a little bit of touring. Yeah. So, but, like, even that was, like, just, like, tri-state stuff and, like, going down to, like, Doylestown and stuff. Yeah. 
But, I mean, Already Gone was a band only from, like, 2006 to 2008. That's so crazy, because that... Like, it seemed like it was a band weird. for so, so long. Um, because you played bass. Yeah. Yeah, for like, a, for, like, a hot minute. And it was, like... I mean, that was quite a time. <laughs> we had all, like, that was a time. We had all, like, just See, turned like, 21. The, the, the... I was thinking about that the other day. There's two waves of Already Gone. There's the wave where it sounded like a drive-thru records band. Yeah. And then, look, that second wave where it sounded like, like, um, the not-ska parts of Leftover Crack. <laughs> yeah. I remember you were, like... You were like, all right, I want to play pop punk, but I'm going to I'm gonna be real pissed. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was, at that time, like, that was very much, like, I was listening to, like, Strike Anywhere and This Is Hell and, um, you know, and Leftover Crack and stuff. Yeah. And I was just getting to, like, um, bands like the Gaslight Anthem and stuff. So, like, I yeah. definitely wanted, my musical taste, I guess, was turning more raw yeah. Innocent. Yeah, that makes sense. You guys, you guys went through a handful of like, a couple other people played bass as well, and it seemed like there was a you know yeah. for a little while you know, like you know you know obviously didn't Dan play bass at one point Dan Campbell and um uh, I don't think Dan Campbell played bass then because he didn't really play bass until like Condition Oakland oh, okay. the family okay. Like, he played bands at that time, though, and we played in bands with him. Yeah. Like. And then, didn't Hauser, Hauser played bass for a little bit, though, right? Um, uh, he, he was, like, trying out. I don't think okay. he ever played that with us. Gotcha, gotcha, and for Cody anybody... Temple, Cody Temple played bass with us for a little bit, though. Right. For anybody who doesn't know, Hauser, Zach Hauser plays in Condition Oakland now, so just... Just for anybody who's listening that doesn't know yeah. the the circle of friends here, um, <laughs> so why why did you call it a day as far as already gone? Uh, we just like all like Lightsel got got into like playing other music, mm-hmm. so he was he was he was playing guitar in a couple other bands, and then. Um, I, that's kind of when I decided to do Condition Oakland, and, um, Danny just ended up, you know, like, you know, you get bored, so you ask your friends to jam and play some songs. Yeah. So then he ended up playing a lot of the, um, first couple, I guess, full band shows. Yeah. But, like, we were just a two-piece. Yeah. Well, I played bass a couple times, too. Yeah. I was um, in, like, we were, like, so it started me, and then it was Danny, and then it was you know, the three of us, we played a couple shows. Yeah. And then that kind of started the full band version of Condition Oakland. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, didn't you guys kind of play, like, a farewell show or something like that for no, Already Gone? No, the the last one was just Beard Fest. Okay. I don't yeah, know what I was thinking. Was... I thought there was, like, some sort of anniversary show or something um, that you guys did. We did it like a, a reunion show. When was that? That was. That had to be like 2011. Zang. That's. Or maybe 2010. 
Yeah, I think it was 2010, because yeah. I think it was before I moved. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, up here in Pretzels, um, a romantic short notice played. Weird. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, now, didn't Already Gone play, did Already Gone play up here in Rochester that one time? Yeah, that was the, that was our first out-of-state show. We played, um, I forget where we played, though. Was it? Was it at Roberts, maybe? Yeah, it had to be at Roberts. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, kind of going into that, you know, let's, let's kind of dig into kind of the, the connection between the Rochester scene and, you know, the little central PA scene that, you know, you're, you've been a part of and I come from. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's like a weird, that's a weird camaraderie. And, um, I mean, I'll even say that probably like now extend over into Buffalo for us too, yeah. you know? And I think a lot of that comes from just like people, like, kids growing up in blue-collar towns, you know, and um, when you meet each other, you there's this there's this work ethic that's, you know, like, you're not... Our area, it's a, li- it's a little... You know, we're not as name-notarized-wise, but, yeah. like, so I'll just say, like, the Northeast PA scene, you know, like, from here up to Scranton and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, they, there's that thing where it's like, alright, we come from this music scene, but like, we really gotta try. Like, it's not just gonna happen. Um, rather than, you know, like, I'd say, like, if you if you come from a bigger city, you know, you just kinda gotta make a name for yourself. You don't, you don't... Yeah. But there's not as much... It's a weird thing, like, a lot of people, like, that's what they'll do in the city. Like, they'll just be in a band. And I think coming from this part of PA and then Rochester and Buffalo, it's like, all right, well, I've got to work my 40 hours a week, and then on the weekend, I'm going to go as hard as I can. Yeah. You know, and we're going to play, um, you know, Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. Because you got to go to work the rest of the time. So. Um, besides that, I'll say it's a lot of... It's a lot of mutual friends, too, Yeah. in between all the cities that definitely, like, you know, you, you kind of trust somebody when they say, like, hey, can you help my friend out? Like, you don't, like, if you send someone my way, like, I'm, I'm going to book them the show because, like, you know, your word's attached to it. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I know they're probably solid people, and, you know, I'm going to be friends with them. Yeah. Weird. Uh, just because it's, like, a funny side note, kind of, that's a part of the story... Tell me, tell me about the where, and what your <laughs> <laughs> kind of your uh, impression of that band. Just, just cause it's fun. Um, the where were crazy, like that was just ridiculous. And how do I want to say this? It was kind of like. The people that know about the where it's kind of like the same. I can only compare it to Guar. <laughs> like, like it doesn't really make any sense why you like it, but like it's a hell of a show to watch. Yeah, it's a. It's like, a it, it was such a train they, wreck. They, in they brought weird 
like baby chickens one time to a show, like not real baby chickens, <laughs> but like Easter decoration baby chickens, like a lot of them, like an excessive amount of them. And I, for the longest time, I still had like two of them, and I have no idea where they went. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, John and I talked about the wear on an episode of his podcast, like maybe two weeks ago or something like that, so I've just been thinking about it a bunch, and I listened to the the albums. Um, it's just just silliness. Um, so what other, you know, you played in a whole bunch of other, like, side projects. Um, you know, we'll dig into Condition Oakland in a minute, but what is, you know, tell me about some of the other projects. I know there was uh, uh, the, the Family Crest and a couple other kind of weird things like that that you were a part of? Um, let me try to go in chronological order because it will be easiest to remember that way. <laughs> um, I'll say probably... I'm trying to remember what the order was. So, like, I think the Family Crest was first. And that was kind of, like, supposed to be, like, an experimental post-hardcore style band. We only had, like, three or four songs, and that was a lot of fun, because it was just supposed to be, like, weird fucking music. Yeah. So, um, but it's also, like, it's weird to, like, try to keep writing that style of music, so, like, I think that's why that probably burned out so fast. Mm -hmm. Um... I also, loved that band for the record. I mean, I know I've told you this off the record before, but um, was a was a big fan, and I might pull one of those tracks off the Bandcamp and throw it on the pod. Okay. <laughs>
the second most like the second band to come in the side project and that was bottom feeder was definitely we're already gone with like more of that like drive through record style pop punk I'll say bottom feeder was probably supposed to be just like a more raw fun version of like a fallout boy style pop punk okay. band yeah um but, like, more with, uh, like, Green Day-style song structure, mm. you know? So, and then... And who, who all was in uh, Bottom Feeder? It was Billy Jasinski and Chris Leitzel and myself. Okay. Uh, so, like, a, you know, it's pretty much just already gone with some different songs... Um, um, like a different version of Art. Wait, does, did Billy ever play with Already Gone, and he just came in with no, Condition but, Oakland's? Played with Condition Oakland, okay. and he was in Horrible People too. Okay. And, and yeah. Fox. Um, then lead into that, you know, a couple years down the line, Ted and I decided that driving home from New Jersey one day that we were going to start an electric band because we were playing folk punk a lot, <laughs> and um. We we were like we're gonna start a ska core band, and we only had one ska song, and it wasn't ska core at all, but it was definitely supposed to be like a very early two thousands, like it it was like almost melodic punk, okay, but we were hammered, <laughs> so we couldn't play melodic punk. But, um, and nobody would ever believe us at, because at practice, when we weren't hammered, we would sound really good. <laughs> and then we'd play shows, and we'd be completely fucking wrecked out of, like, all three of us. Because <laughs> Ted drank at the time. Yeah. So, like, holy shit, like, we just sucked when we played live. <laughs> um, and that was, that was horrible people, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then, um, I'm trying to think. Then nothing else really happened for a while. And, like, Van Van Carr could still be a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and Van Van Carr was definitely, is, um, uh, like, just another pop-punk band because we're always starting pop-punk bands because we want to play pop-punk, but we don't have the attention span to do it. Um, okay. And, like, Van Van Carr was supposed to be, like, a Blink-182 style pop-punk band, but now... Like, it, it, it kind of got a little noisy. Mm. Like, it got a little weird. Yeah. So, uh, like, we were we were right in another EP, but then everyone kind of joined Condition Oakland, and then he, the coronavirus happened eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, uh, you know, tell me about the Greenleaf and kind of um, what you were doing there and, and some of the shows that you had there. Um, so, the birth birth of the Greenleaf, I think there was a show in Dunlop, PA, which is outside of Pottsville, at some backyard. 
and that wasn't happening. So we all went. So I was like, well, give me an hour. I'll go to my house and clean up, and we'll just have the show there. And it was now the city, the arsenal, and condition Oakland. What a weird lineup. And yeah, it was <laughs> it was a weird lineup. Um, and then a couple weird house shows later, um, we I, we were throwing house shows, and they were gonna they were starting to turn out really good, and bands started coming through. Um, Scrap Kids played there a bunch. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like uh, my friend Lockton, who I haven't seen in a while, but he lives out in Central PA. He did a bunch of touring, and um, it was like a ska, kind of like a ska core folk punk thing. And um, the Cranhand Dreams played, who wasn't somebody in that in um, there and now the Cinder, right? Uh, I don't think so. But they're definitely they're they were definitely a Buffalo bands. Yeah, um, there's some connection between. Yeah, I know that I know that they're like homies with them. I don't know if there was I don't know exactly how they connect, but it, I I can't remember was Mike Jacobs or Tyler. I don't think Mike Jacobs was. Maybe Tyler. I could be I could be wrong. Yeah, because um, I know they were both in the stakeouts, but I don't know about. Crantans. Um, I remember that the Crantans have a song called Shit on a Cop. <laughs> I also remember that. Yeah. Anyway, so once Already Gone ended and you started Condition Oakland, uh, how did you get started with um, traveling early on, and what you know, what were your, you know, how did you get your kind of get your feet wet with touring? Um, so here, here I guess is a better explanation of um, at at least. For me, my personal relationship with Rochester and, um, you know, that area of New York. Mm-hmm. So, um, we go up, we play, it's our first time out. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we get, Lytle and I have to sign Danny out of school because he was still in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. We pack up the tour. Um, a Taurus, and we and we're driving up 15, and I remember it just being like the most fucking fun in the world at that time. Yeah. Like, like, like we were just dumbass kids driving to Rochester, New York, and I think like to play a 15 minute set <laughs> for for like other dumbass punk kids. Yeah, but we go up, we um, you know. We play the show and we come back and I remember like just being like, Wow, that was great. I hope I get to do that again. Yeah. So Lytle and I book we went on a weekend there. Um this 
may or may not have been the summer already gone broke up though I'm not sure mm. um, but I remember we went um, we went to New Jersey and it fucking downpoured okay um, we were playing post 282 and this is how I ended up meeting Brian Hartman who ended up recording a lot of the Condition Oakland stuff too and um, it, I remember it so like, like I was, it, it poured when we were walking around for it's like five minutes. Yeah. But like, like looked like I jumped in the ocean, <laughs> and I had to buy. Um, I ended up with flip flops, and I'm pretty sure that we had to buy them at a weird Dollar General or something, and they had like sunflowers on on the toe part, and that was the only flip flops they had that fit me. <laughs> and we went and we played a show acoustic with a bunch of metal bands um I met Brian Hartman and you know we we were coming up we were going to the next show and Lytzel's all like the lights in his car go like his car still ran but I guess like the electrical went yeah wow so we we couldn't play the last show we had to go home we had to wait and we drove home the next day but um that summer um I remember I was like I was like, holy shit, like, playing music, like, outside of this state is awesome. We're just driving. Yeah. So, that, um, whatever time in between that and me starting Condition Oakland, and I remember when I started Condition Oakland, the main thing I wanted to do was tour. So, what you do, you know, like, what do you do? You reach out to the people you know. Yeah. So, I started going to New Jersey, and then, you know, New Jersey, there's just, like, at least at that time, like, there's a lot of bands in New Jersey. Like, every mm. time you play New Jersey, you're probably going to play with a newer band, most times. So, that was really cool at that time because a lot of people, you know, like, you're you're in that same age group of your early 20s. A lot of people are doing, like, house shows more regularly because they're, like, you know, because of, the, like, partying and stuff. Yeah. And um, just knowing other bands that are touring when you're young. So, um... That's how I started playing out in New Jersey a lot. And um, I'll say in, like, Rochester, and this is another um, weird similarity between our area and Rochester, bands just stay bands longer, it seems. Yeah. Like, um, you know, like, a lot of the bands in New Jersey, you meet, they'd be a band for, like, maybe two, three years, and then they'd stop being a band. Then, you know, like, these guys doing that band and stuff, so you end up still building relationships with people yeah. but like the bands aren't as long just that I don't know why um but like up there you know it's a lot like here like it's the same like your band probably lasts at least like like three to four years or something and it's the same people in the band mm -hmm. like you know if you switch someone out it's always within the first couple months yeah usually or it's at, the, it's at the later half. And I think that's why um, there's a there's a very strong connection between between our scenes there because it's not just, you know, the bands are kind of like, you know, have a similar sound. It's five people friends with another five people. Yeah. So you just stay in touch with them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always loved how we... Um, you know, it's like, as far as, you know, we've 
not really ever played in bands that were sonically similar, and yet we always, always play shows together here and back in PA. Um, you know, and that's something I always, you know, I've tried to, uh, you know, I definitely tried to bring that kind of like, you know, all of the music that falls under kind of that, you know, super broadly punk and DIY, it all, you know, for the most part, we've all got more in common than we don't. Um, Yeah. And that's another thing. I think when you're going to like a city or something, the show is just so much more tailored towards a certain genre. Like, where up, you know, up in Rochester stuff, the shows that we were playing were mixed genre shows, much like the shows back home, because back here we don't really have enough of any said style of music, you know? Yeah. Like, even metal bands end up playing with folk punk bands here, and like, you're, like, one of the bands that we're really good friends with, King Kong Ace and Wolfman, is like, a crazy doom metal band, you know? Like, and we play folk punk, so... Yeah. Um, and I, I love that. Like, that's, I mean, like, I, I've always, like I said, I just think that we all kind of, like, yeah, it may look different, but we all kind of, for the most part, like, all of us that are trying to do stuff kind of on this DIY level, um, most of us have more in common than we don't, and it's, you know, it makes more sense to stick together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've, so, with Condition Oakland, you've toured, like, I mean, well, first of all, you've been a band for, what, 11 years now? Well, or coming tech, up? technically 10, yeah. I guess. If you want to throw that, like, November of, like, November, December of 2008 in, I guess it could be 11, but yeah. I'm not trying to get any older. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, congrats on, you know, keeping a project, you know, a project going that long um you know even though you know you are condition oakland and you've you know had a band around you know different people kind of fill the gaps as far as playing the band like just sticking to that one project for that long i think is you know still very much an accomplishment um so uh congrats on that and uh yeah and you guys and so you guys you played do you know how many states you've played um, you've toured quite pretty extensively over over this past ten years, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how many states. It's probably I I'd say in the hopefully in the teens, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if like you know it's over. It's over that, but I mean pretty much in in the Northeast we played a lot. Um, and a decent amount through the Midwest. There was a couple runs down south. Um, yeah. And like we were in Canada, like the like eastern side of Canada, a bunch. Yeah. Well, and you did you did travel out to LA. Yeah. Um. So I mean, you've traveled literally across the country. So that's pretty dope. Um. Super fun. Um. That's probably one of my favorite trips. You you played with Broken Field Runner out there? Yeah. Oh. Um, Tony's originally from here in Albany and then moved out there. And uh, what's Tony, up, Tony? Tony is is such a nice guy. I love him. He's uh, he's on my list of people 
to have on the pod. I haven't asked him yet, uh-huh. but he's he's on the list. So if if you happen to be listening, Tony, we'll be in touch. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you guys have how many releases have you guys put out? There's oh, I kind of did the math the other day. There's three full lengths and one, I think five, five or six EPs. Mm-hmm. And like, there's some weird releases in there that, like, you know, are just like Bandcamp stuff. But yeah. Uh, and I, you know, and I'm not just saying this because, uh, you know, we've been very good friends for a very long time but you know i think you're a really great songwriter and so what is your you oh know, thank you much. yeah so what's your you know what's your kind of process as far as writing um you know how does it usually shake out um so this is gonna sound so weird okay because it's not someone I, I listen to, but uh, it's the best way I know how to describe it is I heard Kanye West one time say that he could see music, okay? Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember people being like, being like, yo, that's that's so fucking weird. Like, why, why would you say that? Or something. And I was like, I, I kind of know what he means. Mm. Like, um, it's like you can picture it in your head, but it's, so a lot of times, like, I'll have this line sitting here, you know, and I'll have, like, that riff, and then sometimes in your head, like, you're just like, it's like, oh, damn, like, that line would go with that riff that I have, mm-hmm. you know? So then I can kind of start to, once those two things click, I can kind of start to build the song from there. Mm. But I, I would say, like, um, like that's the way it goes. Usually it's one or the other, like, I'll, I'll play a riff, and then I'll think of a line, and I'll start to build the song from there. Or, um, you know, I'll think of a line, and then I'll think of that riff. Mm. I hope I didn't just say the same thing twice. <laughs> oh, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I uh, I mean yeah. I've always thought of you as the, the Kanye West of folk punk. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you feel about the the term folk punk? Um, because it, you know, you kind of play around those circles a lot, um, and, and you know, there's some, you know, some of your stuff I can hear where it makes sense. Um, uh-huh. You know, but sonically, you're not exactly. A folk punk band, and definitely when you play full band, I wouldn't classify it as folk punk. Um, so, what's your kind of relationship with that term and with that community? Um. So, like, we, and this kind of goes like back to that that starting point of like that last year of already gone. Mm-hmm. So, when we would, when we were playing. Um, we would end up playing acoustic a lot, mm-hmm. okay? And we wouldn't really fit in because the bands at that time were, like, you were you were going into that Neon Warp Tour culture, 
Yeah. So, um, when we started playing music, though, I'll say out of that, you know, that rise of, like, mall emo, mm-hmm. when Taking Back Sunday or, or like, a band like Brand New or somebody would be doing an acoustic performance, it would, you could still kind of get away with it being, like, a little raw and choppy. Yeah. Because it was supposed to be, like, emo. Where, when then that more, like, polished version of Pop Punk, you know, where, like, everyone kind of, like, you had people having, like, saying they had managers, you know, everyone really started to take, like, their presentation more seriously. Yeah. Like, two, two kids come in playing, like, more or less, like, emo pop punk, like, you know, that, that didn't really go over well, so it wasn't super welcoming there. Mm. <clears throat> um, so I remember all I did was go and kind of do the same thing with the boat punk kids, and they were, like, like, everyone was, like, super accepting of it, um, like, it was, it was a really weird, humbling feeling, you know? Yeah. But I remember just being really accepted in that folk, like, even even being conscious myself of, like, oh, this, like, I'm not, like, singing songs about, like, popping trains and stuff, you know? Like, now lyrics about that have worked their way into my music because of playing in that community, you know, and, like, kind of, like, you know, singing about it, you know? Yeah. But, um, I mean, at the time, I wasn't singing about that, um, but, though, like, the, I remember the Crest Punks and, like, you know, the Train Kids, like, they were all super nice, and, like, like they were like, wow, dude, like, that's really cool, like, what you're doing, and I was like, holy shit, like, like, this, this is crazy, because the bands that we've played with, I'll say we've always played with really cool bands, you know, mm-hmm. like, for the majority, like, most people we play with are nice, but um, like playing pop punk, there there was a couple. Like I remember there'd be a couple kids, but it wasn't anything like like the folk punk kids. I felt actually were the first ones to enjoy it. You know, yeah, music I played. So I've always been, I've always been really grateful for the folk punk scene. Um, I like that like it doesn't take itself too seriously, like. Yeah. There's a everything I like about folk punk is everything I loved about pop punk. Mm. You know, like you didn't take yourself too seriously. You just kind of hung out with your friends and like you know did whatever and like fucked off and like you know just waited to like have a good time again. And I think when pop punk started taking itself too seriously, like I kind of in the wrong way too. You know, like yeah. like I like when pop punk was like more about like trying to make it or be a big band and look professional i was like well dude like what was about like running your skateboard naked (laughs) like and i was like green day are millionaires you know yeah like like you're like so i i don't know i just felt a lot of disconnect in in the music that i i thought i should be playing and then when i went and just played music in the folk punk community, it was really accepting. So, and then from there, like, you know, like, um, 
you start to get into like the people you're playing with and then i'll say like that's kind of how i got more into um like country music and stuff like that too yeah like just wanting to like hear those type of arrangements in other ways yeah yeah i mean you guys definitely have such a a wide range of influences um uh, you know really like not to like be like oh i'm a condition oakland commercial but like in some ways it's like you know i feel like there's a little bit of something for for everyone you know in your you know within that you know i mean obviously there's not uh it's not like you're uh i don't know you're not like there's no like hip-hop influence that i'm hearing but other than that like you know there's definitely like you know the the punk and pop punk and then also like there's definitely like a lot of hardcore influence in there and emo and country and um you know all kind of wrapped up into one one uh plaid package <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so what you know what are you listening to lately what's uh what's been what's been influenced what have you been listening to that's been influencing your writing um, the, um, Jason Isbell is, is, like, really worked his way to, like, one of my favorite songwriters. Yeah. Um, I think there's, like, I think he's such a good, honest songwriter, and he, like, it doesn't matter what, what you want to call it, because, like, I, like, there's, I don't know. There's there's a bunch of rebellion in there, so like I and honesty. So I really like that, and that's worked its way in. Um, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers is another one. Mm. Um, I've been listening to her a lot, and um, you know it's the same thing. Um, I really like that she tells both sides of the relationship because mm. like a lot of her songs are relationship songs, but they like you know it's from both point of views. Okay. Cool. So I I like that that's a really cool thing to like think songwriter like really take yourself out of your own life and you know try to understand maybe how someone else is looking at it you know yeah um what else Spanish love songs is a, is um another band I've been listening to a lot that's, um that's a real sad record that new one they just put out. Yeah, um, I mean, I was listening to, like, their last record a, a lot lately, though, too, um, mm-hmm. and, like, for the, like, probably, like, two years I've been, like, listening to them a lot heavily, and I think, like, the way that, um, they go about writing songs and their arrangements are really cool, mm-hmm. like, they, they throw a lot of curveballs at you, it, it feels like, randomly, so, yeah. um, you know, keeps you on your toes, and I think, like, kind of, you know, talking about, like, all, like, the weird shit in the economy going on, and, like, you know, the world, the way they present it is a w- maybe a lot easier to wrap your head around than, like, say, anti-flag, you know? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, like, I fucking love anti-flag, but, like, Sometimes, like, they're talking from such an educated point of view, it's really hard as an everyday person to be like, well, fuck, my life just sucks because my job sucks, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, and like your job sucks because of capitalism, and you know, you know, so on and so forth. Like it, it's a political song, but like you, from your point of view of yeah. what's affecting you. Yeah, I was I was saying to to Andrea, my girlfriend, for those of you who don't know, um, I was saying to her the other night, like I feel like I'm not like a very well read leftist, but thankfully punk rock has given me a good base of knowledge uh, as far as you know left leftist politics. I'd like to be a better you know I'd like to you know be a better read one, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, like. I'm with you there. Like, I try to educate myself as much as possible, but it's, you know, it's hard. Like, there's a lot of shit going on that you don't realize. Yo, did you see that Plandemic video? <laughs> what? No, I was gonna... I didn't want to do that on a, on a podcast, but, like, what is it? Uh, it's it's just some, like, bad propaganda. Like, anti-vaxxer. <laughs> like, real weird, sketchy right-wing stuff. Um, oh, was it? I couldn't tell if it was like. So, is it like one of those things that was like it's a meme, but it wasn't supposed to be a meme? Yeah, I mean it's like. Because I got it at the meme part, so I couldn't tell like if it started <laughs> as a meme or if it was supposed to be real. No, it was it was a real thing, and I saw a lot of people a lot of people that I thought were smarter than that sharing it, but whatever. Uh. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so, what? I, we're in a I, real weird I guess time. I should, I guess I should feel um, a little proud of myself. I didn't see anybody share it, but I wasn't on the internet a lot today. Yeah, I so, mean, this was more like, you know, a week ago or something. Maybe, I don't know. I, I've, I've lost all concept of time uh, through this whole this whole thing. How do, how do you think that all of this is going to impact touring and DIY musicians? And I know that, like, we none of us really know, but... Um, you know, what do you think that's going to look like and, and all that? Um, I don't, I'm trying, realistically, no, I don't know what's going to, like, or can even begin to think what's going to happen. I think there's. I think some, like, you know, like, punk rock music, there's going to be live shows, and there's going to at least be one last hurrah in that sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely think there'll be at least one more, <coughs> or two more basement shows, if nothing else, at a local level. Yeah. As, very like, like actual touring around like the country you know and like getting in the van and, and playing with your friends that I, I have no idea and yeah. um, that's a really scary thought in itself yeah. but like I do think I do think at least one day soon there'll be you know like if nothing else there's gonna be like backyard barbecue get togethers you know and like you're just not going to share it on the internet, you know? Like, I think people will play music in front of people again, but I don't know what touring looks like after this. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know, a difficult time, uh, you know, for 
literally everyone, but especially, you know, people that, uh, and I mean, like, what you do, you're not, like, music isn't your job, uh, but for the people that are kind of on that next level, that there's probably even more uncertainty, the people that, you know, make their, you know, their life is touring and being on the road and really based on, like, gig economy. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting it's gonna be an interesting rest of the year at least. Like, um, I'll say this: I'm really I'm I think it's really cool that um, DIY culture really picked up on that live stream idea quick yeah. and kind of figured out how to make it a show because, like. This sucks. Like this is this is terrible, you know. Um, but I still like that on Friday night. I can see my friends play music, and I can, you know, throw on the iPad, like smoke cigarette, have a beer, and text my friends about how good, like, you know, our other friend is playing music. Yeah. Or like talk in the comment section yeah. about it. So, yeah, it's that has been real cool to see. Like, the people aren't, for the most part, people aren't stopping. They they're continuing to, uh, at least, you know, and at, at least all of this gives, you know, will give people a lot of time to to write and maybe finish some projects they started and haven't finished. <laughs> so I'll I'll say, like. Uh, I've worked through the entire thing mm. so far um, because I do resets at grocery stores. Mm-hmm. But um, it's been really I so I haven't like I haven't been able regularly to catch up on any work. But it's been so cool to see my friends like put out so much art and like really get their um, even like their social media presences. As weird as that sounds. Like, um, I I feel like Ted is doing a great job of promoting his new record and stuff. Yeah. On on this, um, so it's been really cool to see people that haven't necessarily had time to dedicate to art have time to dedicate to art. Yeah, for sure. Um. Oh, what else can we? What else do we gotta talk about? We've talked. We've covered Condition Oakland pretty well. Um, tell me a little bit about Tyler Colt. Uh, because I always love okay. I always love the weird Tyler projects. So that's weird that you, that well I mean it's not super weird you brought it up but so right before like we I, we started doing this I was thinking about doing a Tyler Colt live stream. <laughs> but the idea of Tyler Colt is that I came from another planet to save the human race through music. <laughs> that's like the whole. That's the whole backstory of it. Um, so I guess Tyler Colt may, may not be an alien. So it's kind of like the but, uh, you know the the astro philosophy microstrand underscore thirty six thing. If if you <laughs> to those of you that it talks about like crack on a ukulele. Yeah, for those of you that are that are the real heads that have listened to the Steve Haramis and John Kiss episodes of this podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, 
I think I've told you this in person before, maybe over the phone, but, like, it's just so, like, unabashedly silly. And, like, there's no, uh-huh. like, there's no, like, you don't filter the silliness at all. And that takes, like, a lot, that takes a lot of courage or balls or whatever you want to call it to, like, you know, just be willing to be that silly and then put it on the internet for whoever wants to hear it to hear it. Howard, it's, it's, so, it's kind of like educational through fun. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, well, I just want to make the most ridiculous song possible. Okay? (laughs) So, what do you, so how do you do that? Like, you just start pushing buttons and, like, you know, recording things. Yeah. And then, like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, well, shit, I didn't know how to do that before. Like, <laughs> and then, you know, we'll do some kind of, like, home recording, and I'll be like, yo, I'm going to use this trick I got now. Yeah. And, like, you know, I'm looking on, like, how, like, I learned to program drums through doing Tyler Colt songs. Sick. You know what I, and, like, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't teach him how to do it what was that i said i I, like i didn't i didn't realize i was teaching myself how to do it and then um when i was demoing songs for the new condition oakland record like i was able to build drum tracks on the songs that like i had a more specific idea how it was going to sound yeah rather than you know like going and being like okay here's the chords um, make up a drum beat. Yeah. Rad. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm just putting this together, like, now that I think the reason I love 100 Gex so much is because it's, like, it's, like, polished Tyler Colt, in a way. Like, <laughs> 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 um, it, you know, there's a, there's a lot of silliness in, in both of those things. Yeah. Be- because I feel like they'd be really fun, but I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 100 Gex did, like, a, a festival where they had, like, played live in Minecraft or something, so... <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe that's how you can do it. Maybe you can tap into that uh, Minecraft live stream. Live stream. <laughs> start a patron. <laughs> uh, you know, so is there anything, you know, kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll tie up some loose ends, but is there anything, what, you know, what's next for, obviously we don't know as far as, like, touring or whatever, but as far as, like, uh, releases or other projects, you know, be it musical or otherwise, you know, what's, what's coming up for you that you're, you're going to be working on? Um... So, since, like, this whole quarantine thing happened, uh, Ian and I from Cardboard Homestead decided we were going to do a split, so that's coming out hopefully soon. We're hoping on, like, one of those band days to have it out. Um, so that, that's pretty fun. So yeah. there's going to be four, 
there's going to be like four new songs on that that were probably just songs I knew that weren't going to fit on the new record. And um, so that's coming up. We're we're writing the new record, Mm -hmm. but obviously, you know, quarantine put a halt on that too. But yeah. we were we're pretty deep into writing the new record, so that's exciting. And um, yeah, besides that, like we don't we don't know what happens with touring and stuff after yeah. this. But you know, hopefully, shows will be a thing again. Yeah, I'd uh, love to have you up here again. I feel like that that show you guys played up here that was I feel like that was like the weekend that was before like, everything went nuts. So, I was um, thinking about this, like, the other day, which usually, you know, you're able to, like, talk to somebody about this stuff, but, um, like, that weekend, I remember it kind of being a thing, mm-hmm. but, like, not really. Yeah. Because, um, like, the city was packed and everything. Yeah. The, we, we were, like, on a run that weekend, and, you know, like, traffic was normal, everything was was really fine, and um, I remember Danny being a little freaked out about it. Yeah. But, like, not in a sense where, you know, even he was super, like, he'd be like, yo, what do you think's going on with this? And we were like, oh, I don't know, like, I don't know a lot about it, you know? Yeah. And, um, I remember that that week, I was at work, and you know, we got an email about it, like, to halt what we were doing and just help the, help the stores out. And, like, everybody got suit and everything just got weird. Yeah. Like, it just kept getting super weird from then on out. Yeah. But that weekend, like, we were we were tagged in some Instagram post by, like, a, I guess, like, a comedian punk thing. Mm. And it was, like... That, that that first song just gave me coronavirus, and like you know, it was tagged like at Condition Oakland at the bug shop. <laughs> like somebody yelled that in the crowd. <laughs> so I mean, like in March, like this thing was like you could still make jokes. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, because I mean, it, it was in like international news for a while, but it's like, how much of that do we like? I mean, like so much of that doesn't impact our daily lives. So, you know, how much are we, you know, none of us are really paying that close attention because, like, we don't have to until we have to. Yeah. Um, But, you know, honestly, that that set that you guys played here was one of the best I've seen you guys play, and it seemed like it's the most, like, it seems like the most Condition Oakland, Condition Oakland lineup um, that you've had in a long time. Yeah, it's, like, Danny was our first drummer, and he was playing with us again. Zach used to play keyboards, but now he's playing bass. Um, Mandy was the first keyboard player. She's playing keyboards again. Yeah. And I'm, Ted and I have been friends. You know, like, I've been friends with everyone forever, but, you know, Ted joined the band, and he's, he's still in the band. So, yeah. like, knock on wood, like, hopefully that stays. And, um, like... You know, like, we're just all best friends. Yeah. And, and maybe weird and cliche as that sounds, but, like, we grew up together. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses musically. And, like, 
we're just able to like do what we can with what we got but like it's super natural yeah that's sick i remember like seeing all of these like you know all these like quizzes and meme things like when the quarantine first started and it was just like oh you have to you're gonna be you gotta be quarantined with the last band you saw live and i was just like i'd be totally down for that (laughs) oh dude that's like what was that that was us and the slamming jennies like like that's a party in itself yeah like yeah that's i mean that's a that's a wild bunch of of uh of gentlemen right there so yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out and you know tell your story. It's been a long time coming to have you on this pod. So I, I'm excited. Like I, this was great, and you know it's good to always like hang out and chat. Yeah, man. I mean, you're uh, you know like I said, you've been on. You were on the short list from the get go. It's just making it happen. You know, there's, yeah. There's still some people that like are, like, obvious, like, people that need to come on the show that, like, well, before the quarantine, I used to see all the time, like, I haven't had Tim Avery yeah. on yet, and he's, like, um, you know, Tim Avery's, like, a must-have on this podcast. Yeah. Um, but it just hasn't happened yet, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off until after the quarantine, because I'm gonna, you know, right now I'm, you know, just putting out stuff that I'm recording this way, um, because it seems like the ideal time to do this. Yeah. What well, like the conversations like right now are going to be super relevant. So Yeah. And I, you know, and I, I don't want us to talk about the virus the whole time, but it it'd be dumb to like ignore it, you know? <laughs> like and not talk about it at all. But Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to cut off the recording. We don't have to cut off the conversation, but I'm going to turn off the recording. I wear rock clothes when I play rock shows. I'm an octopus and I'm squishy. You just heard Octopus by Tyler Colt. Make sure you go check out the Tyler Colt records. They're uh, real interesting. They're on the Guts Crew Records Bandcamp page. Guts Crew Records is the label that Tyler runs. And, uh, I think you'll enjoy them. If you if you've listened to other podcasts, you may have heard them pop up here and there. But anyway, also in there, you heard uh, "Spine Party" by the Family Crest, and also a short clip of "Shit on a Cop" by the Grand Tangerines, live from the Meat Grinder, which has a motorcycle going by. Uh, live from the Meat Grinder. And I think it was 2011 or 2012, the old basement venue that uh, John Kiss and some other friends and I used to run here in Rochester. Good times. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Doing this podcast has been awesome. It's been really great to document what uh, my friends do, as well as talk to some new people. Speaking of which, the episode that I will be dropping next features Nate Allen of Destroy Nate Allen and Good Saint Nathaniel. Uh, he's been in this uh, in this uh, touring musician punk rock world for a long time. 
and we had a really good conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Much love.